Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. This is part two of my conversation with professional trainer, Christ-centered health coach, father, husband, and self-proclaimed fitness nerd, Alex Van Houten. Uh, I am all those things, or at least God willing. (laughs) Thanks for having me on, Drew. You are very welcome here. I'm excited for part two of this conversation, and I wanted to give everybody an update on something I said during part one, which is that I was gearing up for a 16-mile trail race, which I ran and did not finish. With my injured toe, I was overcompensating for that and totally, totally hurt my ankle and knees and ended up limping down the mountain to a a truck that drove me the rest of the way. So it was a disappointing day out on the mountain and, and also one where I practiced what we talked about of being gentle, being tender and self-compassionate and being with myself and, and ultimately learning from that and getting ready to get back out there onto that same trail so I can finally conquer it. That's what I was about to say. You'll get them next time, Drew. That's right. Thank you. I need to go reverse that curse. (laughs) Now, Now you have a challenge to overcome. Yes, I do. So I wanted to give you all that update. Um, it wasn't, wasn't as victorious and glorious. Um, and yet I did learn a lot and was able to give and receive love on that day. So that was a victory. Um, in our last episode, we talked a lot about motivation and we talked a lot about a biblical foundation for pursuing health and fitness and, I've been getting great feedback about it from guys who are saying that it feels so validating and grace-filled rather than shame-based performance. In this episode, we're going to get a little bit more technical and we're going to move from motivation to mastery and really understanding some of the key concepts, something that you like to call the new science of health and fitness. So what is the new science of health and fitness? Uh, Hey man, in in a nutshell, in a nutshell, it is we're moving from a calorie-based energy consumption, energy intake model to one that understands us as, as actual biological beings. So at the core of it, some of the things you'll hear from me tonight are, are your food is more than calories in and your exercise is far more than calories out. So what do you mean by that when you say food is more than calories in? We intuitively understand that our food is more than calories. However, when we go out into the world and we ask nutrition questions about whether this diet is okay for us or whether or not we should be eating this or that, it, it often the advice comes to balancing your calories, right? And so it's, it's hard for somebody to understand sometimes in at the macro level, when you look at your, I don't mean macros like proteins, fats, and carbs, but at the macro level, you know, big picture, what do I eat my day and how many calories is that versus the choices that I make every single time that I do consume something and, and how spinach might affect my metabolism, my hormone system, 
my cells even differently than the calories in Skittles. So there's a lot more properties to food and there's a lot more ways that our body interacts with food than just burning it. So our food is more than calories. And in the same way, exercise is, is more than calories burned. We talked in the last episode that we did together about how at the core of it, what exercise is, is actually an epigenetic process. It's a stress to the body that digs all the way down to the DNA in every single cell in our body and says, hey, there's some potential here that needs to be unlocked because we're dealing with hard things right now. And, and that change, that adaptation is the scientific word. That's what exercise, that's the lasting power of exercise in our lives is the ability to unlock those adaptations and to tap into potential that, that was there before. When we're talking about the new science of health and fitness, we're talking about things like epigenetics. We're talking about things like the microbiome. We're talking about the things like the, the mind-body connection and the way that what we believe about ourselves actually changes certain physiological characteristics. We're finding this in the science and it's really mind-blowing. And so uh, anyway, that all that to say that when I'm answering questions this evening, uh, I hope to bring some of that new science to bear and make it practical for individuals when they're searching for answers because it's, it's hard to find uh, practical and, and specific answers. Yeah, and there's a lot of noise out there about these topics. Um, a lot of fads and a lot of different people who are, are preaching contradictory things, um, whether you should eat all meat or you should eat no meat. So what's, what's maybe a helpful, simple message that you often tell your clients that helps them to think in a more mature and productive way about their bodies? Yeah, such a good question. Thanks for that, Drew. The, the word that I would like everybody to internalize is bio-individual, bio-individual. So like I'm looking at you, Drew, and you're looking at me, and we're different people. At the, very, at the level of our DNA, we probably share 99.9% .9 of our DNA, right? Because we're both homo sapiens, right? But at, in that 0.1%, and maybe it's 0.0, eight, seven, five, whatever. In that 0.1% is the difference between your heritage and my heritage. And then outside of that is, is the difference in the lives that we've led thus far and how, how we've manifested those lives and how we've trained our bodies, how much sleep we've gotten and what we have or haven't eaten, right? How many kids we have. <laughs> so uh, all of those things are, are part of what's right for you and that makes your solutions very bio-individual. So what works for me, like if I shared my meal, what I ate today with everybody, and they're like, okay, if I want to look like Alex and train like Alex, and I want to talk like Alex, and you know, maybe don't bald like me, but if I shared my meal plan with you, and you tried to do everything that I did, it might not affect your body the same way. And and that's a, that's a problem in the health and fitness world, because so-and-so says you should eat this, maybe it doesn't affect you the same way as it does them. And, and so that's a really, really helpful thing to understand as, as a person is I am a bio-individual being and I am on a journey to find what's going to work best for me and in my preferences and my lifestyle and my, my wife's preferences and, and my budget and how often I can eat and what my cooking skills look like. I'm on a journey 
to to improve that for myself. And so one size does not fit all in this realm of of science. I love that so much. Thank you for giving us grace and space to be bio-individuals with our various injuries and illnesses, with our various limitations. I'm going to remember that, a bio-individual. So within that, we are individuals. You have something that you call the better daily approach. And that seems like something that is not individual, but really applies to everybody. So what is that? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of fun, right? Like you're an individual. Also, here's a system everybody could improve from. Um, you're <laughs> yeah. like, wait a second, what snake oil are you selling, man? Um, no, the, the 1% better daily approach is more of a belief system than it is a, a exercise program or, or fitness program. Right. And I don't mean a belief system to supersede our, our, our Christian understanding. What I mean to say is that when we approach our health and fitness, it is much more sustainable it will lead to much healthier outcomes and is much more likely to make you happy with the outcomes to approach your health and fitness journey with a 1% better mentality. Right. Um, and, and this isn't, this isn't new. This is, this is actually, you know, the ancient version of it actually comes from the Japanese word Kaizen, which, which means constant improvement, right? Incremental progress, this, the small amount that we can change for the better. And, and so, you know, let's, let's take an example. Somebody might say, what should I eat to lose fat and gain muscle? Right. Isn't that like most people's fitness goal? I want to lose some fat and gain some muscle. Sweet. All right. Um, so not to put you in a box, but the vast majority of, of individuals I've ever worked with they're, they're, they're that's wrapped up in there somewhere. Right. So, so they say, okay, what should I eat? Well, I could say, all right, how old are you? Uh, how much do you weigh? How tall are you? How often do you work out? All right, here's here's macronutrient recommendations based on sports science. Good luck with that, right? You're like, okay. And so now you work really hard to try to eat a certain amount of protein from who knows what and eat a certain amount of fat and eat a certain amount of carbohydrates. And, and, and it's really hard. It's really hard to do that. It's a fun exercise to try if you like to experiment and you have the time. <laughs> but But I often work with parents and we don't, we don't have time for that. <laughs> we just don't. But if you were to, let's say, become aware of what you're doing, let's say, instead of starting there, we say, Hey, for the next week, keep a food journal, just write down everything you eat. I don't care how much I don't, I don't care what it is. No judgment, just write it down. And so you start becoming aware of what your day to day looks like. And then now that you have a starting point of what your day-to-day looks like and maybe some habits that you're involved in and maybe some foods you didn't know you were eating so much of or, or maybe, wow, I had no idea there was that much sugar in that, right? Um, when, when you start becoming aware of these things, then you can set your sights on, okay, how could we make this a little better? Mm. How, can I, how can I improve this for the better? And, and I mean, it might be something so small as like, instead of that for breakfast, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do that for some weeks. Right. And I'm, I'm going to let my body appreciate the newness, appreciate the nutrition I'm getting in my face and, and go from there. And similarly with with exercise. Right. Like somebody might hear our previous podcast and this wasn't my intent, but hear our previous podcast and go, man, I need to exercise. Let's do this thing. And they're, they're like Googling like five day a week workout programs and they go from nothing 
to all of it, all of the, all of the exercise, right? To build the temple and, and become the burning bush. But the 1% better daily approach is, is a little less intense than that. It's like, all right, where are we starting? What's something we can add to that process to be better? So it might be, might be a couple days a week of cardiovascular exercise. It might be, Hey, you've gotten all of 2000 steps a day for the last year of your life. Let's, let's go for a walk, man. 30 minute walk every day. That's all we're going to, that's all we're going to bite off right now. And in the reason there's a number of reasons for it, but the, the primary reason in my world is fitness, health and fitness is a journey. It's, it's not a destination. You don't, you don't get there, right? This, I hope is a sustainable lifestyle that's good for you and good for your family and integrated into the things that you're already doing in life and maybe even making those things better. And so that's the 1% better daily approach is where are we? What do we know that we, we want to improve and where can we get started and, and to do that thing, to, to live out our intention, see how it goes and then add to that as we're able. Man, that sounds so empowering. The first approach you described of getting this huge plan and trying to fulfill all the requirements feels so disempowering. It's like somebody else has the answers and I'm going to try to get a really good test score rather than you coming alongside a bio individual and giving them the pen to write in their journal and giving them decision-making power and together collaborating on something small and doable and really a lot more exciting. Right. And, and I hope, I hope when you, you know, I, I realized this when I was a few years into training, we would, we would try to, and I say, we, the training community, we would try to like drill down on these really specific goals. You know, you want to lose weight, how much weight? Okay. 30 pounds, 30 pounds of weight. How much of that is fat? Do you care if you gain five pounds of muscle? Like really drill down on these things, you know, like how long do you want this to take? Oh, like three months as if you can guarantee how somebody's body is going to respond and whether or not their parents are going to get sick in the middle of this whole endeavor or whatever. Right. Um, so we would do this thing. And what I realized is it never works. Like the best laid plans of mice and men, <laughs> you know, even if everything, if all the math adds up and, and, and whatnot, what works is when you ask somebody, imagine yourself a year from now, best case scenario, imagine yourself from near, a year from now and in all the things that you know that you should be doing you start doing all the bad habits that are getting better of you you stop what's the best case scenario a year from now and when you start thinking like that no it seems a long way away because you'd like to see the results now but when you start thinking like that and you can start moving toward that thing the next year you get to ask the same thing and it's a constant progressive and positive process which is in my my world something something that's worthwhile uh, rather than something short-term. Absolutely. And and 1% better each day over an entire year would be absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, that would be 365% better? <laughs> well, actually, the way the math adds up, it's it's actually even more than that the way the way because you take one percent of one i'm not a i'm not a compounding accountant here but uh <laughs> the the idea though being that you will not recognize yourself year over year not necessarily you don't look the same in the mirror i mean to say you you look back at the way that guy was eating 
You look at the way that guy was or wasn't exercising or what he could or couldn't do or how he was sleeping, what his energy levels look like or what kind of pants he was wearing. And you're like, man, who was that dude? Oh, well, (laughs) moving on. Yeah. The principle here seems to be that consistency is compounding and small, intentional, little micro changes don't just add up over time. They multiply. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of the small little changes that we can make in our minds, in our bodies, realizing that this is very connected to our sexuality and growing healthier physically, healthier emotionally, healthier mentally is going to have implications on our sexual health and our sexual integrity as well. I want to start with this question from Arthur here on the live event who's asking, how do you manage or schedule time to work out when you have young children or other responsibilities in your day? Such a good question. I'm living that right now. I've got a, I've got a six-year-old and a two-year-old. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm in the young kid world, right? The, the reality is part of it is that you have to be willing and you have to give yourself the grace to lay out the plan and make make the space. But every once in a while, know that that's not going to happen the way you planned, right? So, so give you for instance a week a week ago, I had a one hour workout plan that I was very excited about, and and well, babysitter fell through, childcare fell through. My wife had something that she needed to do. I was like, oh man, my my hour workout's not going to happen. So I've got my, I've got my two-year-old toddling around in the garage gym with me. And the best I can do is five sets of deadlifts and five sets of pull-ups, 10 sets of work took 12 minutes, but I got, I got, it wasn't the workout, but it was part of it. And that was okay. And that was good. Right. Um, so, so part of it is you, you have to make the plan and you have to be like, this is non-negotiable. I am going to do what I'm able to do. And, and this might actually encourage you. The, the studies are very clear. Three to five minutes even of exercise can be a very powerful stimulus for the body, even if that's all you have time for. And I'm, I'm sorry, most of us have three to five minutes. We just do. Like, get, open their, your screen time app on your phone. I promise you, you have plenty of time that, that to, to make this happen. I'm not saying maybe you have an hour, hour and a half every time. But, but even if all you can do is some squats and some push-ups, man, great. Or, or maybe if all you can do is go outside and walk the hill 12 times in front of work real quick and then, and then pop back in. And just knowing that there's a default exercise that you can default to and say, hey, I don't have time for the, the big kit and caboodle right now, but I do have this time that I'm going to devote to that, right? Um, and then the, the second would be, hey, when you have young kids, that's such a blessing. You're never going to be more active than you are right now. Like those, those little boogers, they have so much energy. I don't, I mean, not every kid's like my kids, but my kids are like border collies, man. If you don't, if you don't work them out, they're going to eat your couch or something. They're, they're going to yeah. find something to do. So, so you, you can incorporate that, you know, go, go jump around in the front yard, take them around the block with you, go for a hike. And, and, you know, I'm not going to say that hiking is going to be everything you need from a fitness perspective, but it, it sure beats Netflixing on the couch. And no, no indictment on your Netflix time with kids, but if, if one of the things you're struggling with is having enough time to exercise, incorporating your children into something active will pay dividends, not just for you, but also for them. 
I resonate with that too. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old and I may not be able to do a lot while I'm taking care of them, but I can put them in a backpack or even just carrying my four-year-old in my arms eventually becomes a workout. Oh my gosh, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put you on my shoulders and just walk around like, wow, this yes. is getting heavy. <laughs> Absolutely. I, that sounds so much more fun and creative. That's exactly right. And, and you know, you have to, in this 1% better journey, one of the reasons that it's incremental and progressive for you in your life daily is, is because if there's friction between your, your health and fitness pursuit and being a good father, then one of them is going to have to give way at some point. And, and I hope it's being a good, I, I hope being a good father is what you pick over that. Honestly, that's what I hope. Like, I mean, we're not, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And honestly, growing up without a dad, I would have rather had an out of shape dad. But if you feel the burning in your soul, that part of being a man of high integrity is to integrate this, this exercise piece into your life in some form or fashion, then, uh, then then work at that, you know, give yourself the grace three to five minutes, like I said, a day or, or taking them along for the ride. Is, is a powerful way to do this. And I've made some wonderful memories with my boys, just being really active and, and enjoying that time with them because they're never going to be this small again. Yeah. This seems to relate to another question we received from Gary who asked, how do you avoid making the physical results of working out and your body image into an idol? Ah, such a good question. It, this actually really resonates with another question that we received on my post, which was, he was asking about how, how this approach integrates with the sports injuries and the comparison trap. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, if God is not in the center, if God's not where he's supposed to be in your life, then anything can be an idol. Like, and, and, you know, it's Gideon and judges, right? Before he, God has this big plan for him, has a calling for him, has this mission for him to go on. And before he can give him the vision, he says, hey, you need to go up. You know, I'm paraphrasing here, but you need to go where your father's idols are. And you got to tear those suckers down. And you got to build an altar unto the Lord, your God first here. And, and then I have something to tell you. I have a mission to call you into it. And the same thing goes for your health and fitness journey, man. If the sports wounds that uh, I can't remember his name, I'm, I'm very sorry, but he, Glenn. he had a lot, Glenn, he, he had a lot of good things to say about, you know, overcoming those and, and, and loving, loving your inner child through those, those sports injuries and, and whatnot. Um, but if, if somebody in your life, maybe a dad made sports an idol, and then you felt the pressure to perform, or maybe you made sports an idol. And, and so you're, you know, whether or not you could perform well on the baseball field or soccer field was, was, you know, the, your a plus as a man, as opposed to what does God say about you? What does God call you to? What, what is, what is his purpose for your life? If that's not in the center, then your health and fitness journey can easily become an idol. You can start looking at the guy in the mirror and going, man, you're you're, you're coming along. Look at, look at that guy, you know, Hey honey, do you see these guns? Like, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not indicting anybody who, who is enjoying some of the fruits of the labor. Right. But if God's in the center, then your health and fitness pursuit will become an integrated part of you conforming your life to Christ. 
your health and fitness pursuit will be become a part of that, right? And you can look at the guy in the mirror and say, to whom much is given, much is expected. You have a healthy body. You're pursuing, you're pursuing fit things. God's training you for something, man. Get ready, right? And and be ready. And that's that's very, very, I think it's it's an extremely important part of this this long-term thing. I like that. The way you just said God's training you for something makes it sound like health and fitness is not an end goal. It's actually always in the service of something more important. Absolutely. And I would say the exact same thing for freedom from porn. Even freedom from porn can become an idol. In fact, that's part of what led to my last relapse in 2015 was feeling so complacent and feeling so proud of myself for having over a year without masturbating that I dismissed some of my previous support systems and thought, I don't need to be in a group. I don't need to keep healing. I've arrived. And that was the most dangerous place for me to be. That's when my freedom from porn became an idol. And even if that idol didn't come crashing down, God had to smash it one way or another. And he used a relapse to smash it. I'm glad in the end that it brought me back to him and it brought me back into the arms of Jesus. I guess what I'm trying to say is health and fitness can be an idol. Freedom from porn can be an idol. We are doing this not to get really proud of ourselves, but as part of our worship of the true God who created us, who loves us, and who has better things for us to do. That's exactly right. I mean, your your health and fitness journey, I, I hope it improves your energy level to spend time with your kids. I hope that it improves your your body's functioning to show up well. Uh, if, if you're married, show up well for your wife. I hope that it reflects an integrity in your life that shines at work. Um, and, and I hope that, you know, in your, your church community, that it's also something that people are like, man, something's different about this guy. Like, what's, what's going on in your life, man? How do, how do I get more of that? And, and that, that's not a pride thing. That is, that is carrying your cross forthrightly. And that's powerful. Amen. You ready for the next question? Yeah, yeah, bring it. Let's do it. What can you say to men who feel intimidated by the gym or working out? Perhaps especially those who are experiencing same-sex attraction. Yeah. Hey, fair enough, man. That's that's a big and important question. Uh, the, the first thing I'd say is you, you don't need a gym to start. You really don't. Um, I've, I've done episodes on defining dad about talking through, you know, I've, I got in shape as a, as a youth with a pair of 25 pound dumbbells I got from cleaning out an apartment at my job. Like, like, all right, that's all I had, man. And, and you do that in a, a pull-up bar, you've got a home gym for less than, less than 50 bucks. Your uh, gravity is a great trainer is what I'm trying to say. Gravity is a wonderful, wonderful apparatus for resistance. Yeah. I don't even have those things. All I need is a piece of carpet with no toys on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Please remove all the Legos. You're like, watch out for those Legos. Yeah. <laughs> Legos. And then you got your six by six square, right? Um, and, and jokes aside, though, really, when, when we're talking about being intimidated by an environment, then what we have to do is, is remove the environment issue from the equation. Where are you comfortable? Where are you comfortable? Because exercise is already an uncomfortable stress 
That's the point. That's what we're doing. We're asking your body to do something difficult. So the environment shouldn't be the difficult thing. The, the exercise itself, I would say, if you can become confident and comfortable in a form of exercise, maybe it's running, maybe it's hiking, maybe it's swimming, maybe it's yoga, wh whatever it is. If you can come comfortable and confident in, in a form of exercise in a place that you are comfortable, then you might be able to take on the environment, the intimidating environment of the gym, because you can take something you already are comfortable with, your exercise practice, and, and you, can, you can enter a space that's uncomfortable and, and perhaps find that you know, there wasn't anything to be fearful of in the first place. Or maybe you walk into the gym and you go, no, thanks. <laughs> I'm out. Like, I'm back to my quiet road where nobody's judging and grunting, you know? Um, yeah. And that's fine too. That's fine too. It's so cool to witness you putting that 1% better daily perspective in an answer to this question. That is exactly what you talked about, treating somebody as a bio-individual. What are you comfortable with? Where are you at? And then adding a little bit of challenge together with support. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I promise push-ups are just as effective in your living floor as they are at, at the gym. Yeah. And if you can't do a full push-up, you can do what I do sometimes, just push-ups from the knees, a little bit easier. They're not girl push-ups. People call those, they're not, they're called regressed chest presses. That's that's what we trainers call them. This is very important. I like that. We have re, re, regressions and progressions, very, very important part of progress. So let's say you have, you have certain biomechanic movements that you should be able to perform like pressing, right? Pressing is a, a movement your body should be able to perform. If you are pressing in a way, uh, you're trying to do a full pushup, full unregressed plank, extended arm pushup, chest to ground, and, and perhaps you're using too much of, of your, your deltoid, that's your shoulder muscle, right? Or perhaps you have an injury that doesn't allow you to, to use your pectoral muscle very well. Then what we want to do is we want to regress the movement. You might start at your knees. Maybe that's not even enough. Maybe, maybe you need to go into a position where you're elevated. I have guys who start their pushups on, you know, the edge of a couch or side of a bed, right? So that you're elevated, there's less, less resistance. And what we can do is we can teach your pectoral muscle. That's the muscle that stretches from your sternum to your humerus down right in the front of your chest here. If you're watching the video, that muscle is what's supposed to be the major mover, the primary mover in, in a pushup. And so regressions aren't about like, oh, I can't do a real pushup yet. It's about, I need to teach my body. I have to build the foundation to teach my body to use the right muscles during this exercise. So that when I do a, a full push-up, or maybe I, I build up to the strength where my pectoral muscle can flex during the full push-up, I'm actually getting the benefit of it rather than tearing apart my shoulder joint in the process, which is not what you want, you know, in your 40s and 50s is a shoulder joint from too many push-ups. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm trying to relate it to recovery. And, and I think maybe it would apply more to maybe the way that some of us need more restrictions or we need more safety precautions at the beginning, um, kind of like a, a crutch or, um, but not, not even necessarily a crutch, just a little bit of training wheels so that I have some space for my devices or I have a little bit more consequences and motivation to get those first few days of freedom under my belt. And later on, I can let them go when I'm stronger. Right. And then you, you can grow in that process. Yeah, exactly right. I like training wheels. That's a good analogy. 
Alex, what is one question you received that you would really love to answer? Uh, man, we had some really good ones and I, I don't want to prioritize too many over the other, but I, I think I would be remiss if I didn't address supplements. There was an individual who asked specifically about, hey, what do you think about supplements? I've been around the block a while. I've taken quite a few. There's some in my my pantry. What do you what do you have to say about, about those? And, and supplements is actually a very broad topic, but it, it's it's important. Anytime you start Googling, you know, goals, fat loss goals, weight loss goals, any sorts of muscle growth goals that you're going to get inundated with a bunch of ads for, you know, take this thing and you'll look like the guy in the, the, the label, right? <laughs> so, um, the, the supplement industry is, is a difficult industry to navigate, even, even as a professional, it's a difficult industry to navigate. What's important to understand about supplements is their place in a, a, a robust and intelligent health and fitness program they're a very, very small part of positive results, but there is a place for them. And the other thing that's important to understand about supplements is most of the stuff that's sold out there isn't very well studied to, to give you the results that it says it's going to, right? So there's, there's three types of supplements that people generally engage in. One are outright drugs like caffeine, not, not you know, <laughs> anything illicit usually, but, um, but outright drugs, ergogenic aids. So caffeine is a is a supplement you might use to improve your, your workout performance slightly, improve your focus. And there's probably nothing wrong with that. So, uh, then there's the compounds that are naturally occurring in, in life and in, in your body, like vitamin D would be a good example or magnesium. Those are naturally occurring and supplementing with those. Uh, some of those have double blind placebo controlled trials that show positive benefits and then there are, there's a whole other class of supplements called adaptogens or polyphenols. This is like food and herbs in hyper-concentrated forms that might actually be beneficial, right? So uh, I have supplements that I recommend, and I, I figured I'd, I'd share with you my some of my resources through Defining Dad Bond because I take a lot of, like I'll say, creatine monohydrate, great question. Let's spend 40 minutes on that supplement and, and deep dive it, right? Um, but I, I will say, if you're a guy listening to us right now in the winter at a northern latitude, probably should be taking vitamin D unless you have a, a blood panel that says you're you're optimal and good to go. Vitamin D is going to be vital and helpful for your, your male hormone, specifically testosterone. It's going to be vital for your immune system. And most of us aren't getting enough of it even when the sun is out. And so uh, I, I generally recommend that to every guy that I start working with within the first four to eight weeks, he's, he's taking about 5,000 IU of vitamin D daily, unless again, he has a panel that says otherwise. And then uh, the second that I recommend to, to guys listening is magnesium, specifically in the form of magnesium bisglycinate. And uh, that will be beneficial to your, your testosterone, your blood pressure, your ability to relax. And also from an exercise perspective, your muscles can't relax. They can't stretch out completely if you're magnesium deficient. And so the vast majority of guys I work with end up taking both of those. And I know those aren't like, you know, freaky, cool and sexy and stuff like, but, but they are beneficial, very well studied and uh, can help most people with most goals. Here in Santa Barbara, I feel like I get a decent amount of sun, but I might want to check on that vitamin D. Yeah. You know, the ranges are interesting. So you'll get flagged if you're, if you're deficient, but then there's a range of, of optimal right? And probably in the peak of summer, if you've spent some time at the beach and stuff, 
your body can make about 20,000 IU of vitamin D in 12 minutes. It's really cool. It's like, boom, like poof, super, super effective. But, but that's that. So it only lasts so long, you know? And so here we are in the winter. I don't know how cold it is where you are, but I'm not walking around with my shirt off. And even if I did, my UV index around here is like one. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm not storing a lot of it. So, um, but most guys are, are suboptimal. That's really helpful to know. Uh, Doug was asking, uh, what was the magnesium name you used again? Uh, bisglycinate, B-I-S, bisglycinate, G-L-Y-C-E-N-A-T-E, glycinate. It's the one that's most readily absorbed, so you don't have to take a lot of it to get it into your system. And that means you also won't end up with some of the negative digestive effects. So like magnesium citrate, magnesium malate, magnesium oxide even, th- those are, are actual laxatives. Um, so to take the amount required to get into your bloodstream and, and elevate your magnesium level, it generally also wrecks your stomach in the process. Alex, what are some of those tips that you typically give to some of your clients? What kind of client are we talking about? Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's really important. When when I talk through programming with people, I identify them in, in one of four phases of, of their training life. And that is, and I don't mean any offense by any of these. This is just a trainer's brain, okay? Deconditioned, which means I have not been exercising regularly, at least four days a week for the past six months. That would be deconditioned. Decondition means that there's certain changes that need to happen in your body before you can take on, you know, bigger, heavier, more intense things without injury. Okay. So uh, decondition. Conditioned means I've been working out regularly four days a week for the past six months, really. And and an individual generally knows if they're conditioned or deconditioned. They, they got a sense of that. Then there's trained I've been working out four to five days a week for about two years, including weight training as a trained individual. And then there's a, another class of individual that I would call a legacy, meaning I've been doing this for a long time, man. I've, I've done all the fads. I've run a few marathons, you know, I've lifted weights. I've done cardio. Like this is, this is a decades long thing for me. And, and the advice that I generally give to individuals is significantly different depending on your, your training Let's talk about deconditioned. Yeah, deconditioned. Well, you know, that you're my favorite people if you're deconditioned. You know why? Because you get amazing results super fast. You just do as long as you don't overdo it, <laughs> which is awesome. It's, it's the, I have to work really, really hard to gain two pounds of muscle. You can do it in the next like week and a half if, if you, you know, do it consistently. So, so from a deconditioned perspective, if you haven't been exercising regularly, for four days a week for the past six months, you do really, really well by adding a minimal amount of cardio two days a week, about 20 to 40 minutes each. And it doesn't have to be intense, man. I'm not talking about like, you know, going hard on the elliptical and then resting for a minute and going hard. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like you and I can have a great conversation. Rate of perceived exertion is what we call it on a scale one to 10. One is like, oh, this is the easiest thing I've ever done basically watching a movie and I'm not working out at all. And a 10 is like, I'm going to die if I keep doing this. Uh, That 20 to 30 minutes twice a week, we were aiming for a five right in the middle. Could be a walk jog, could be walking up a hill. Uh, It could be swimming. It could be cycling, could be a hike. You know, that's, 
two days a week can make a significant difference. And, and then similarly, two days a week of about 20 minutes of a light resistance training uh, program. And, and uh, one individual asked, hey, do you have any resources for beginners and stuff? We, in Better Daily, we have a lot of those resources, but that, that's also a paid community. So if you're looking for free resources for a beginner who doesn't have a lot of equipment, go to a go to a website. And I, I wholeheartedly endorse these people. They're amazing people. Uh, darebees.com, D-A-R-E-B-E-E-S.com. They've got hundreds and hundreds of, of easy to follow workouts. They're a nonprofit organization out of Europe, a fantastic company. Um, but they uh, they're they're working to democratize fitness to to give a starting point to those who are deconditioned and say just hey man you can do this you know and some of them are fun like I'm a Dragon Ball Z nerd you know like they've got Goku's <laughs> workout in there and and I know right it's so good <laughs> but such such a great company but the if you're deconditioned the most important thing you can do is get started get up get moving go for a walk pick up some weights and put them over your head, do some of those knee pushups, you know, just get started, get a feel for what you can do and what you can't do. And don't go crazy. Don't join P90X. If you are deconditioned, we've got to get you conditioned before we can do anything more ninja than that. Uh, otherwise your tendons and ligaments won't hold up to it. You'll get, you'll get chronic injuries. You might burn way too many carbs as a fuel source and get super unenergetic and sleep hard. You know, there's a lot of different things that you need to be conditioned for. It makes a lot of sense why so many of us might think to ourselves, I tried working out and it was horrible and it failed. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, there's so much I could say about it. just, just imagine every single cell in your body has, has a powerhouse called a mitochondria and they have a lot of them. Okay. If you're deconditioned, you're working with like half of the powerhouses you, you should have. You're working with half of them. And so you go do a workout that your friend makes look really easy and, and you're working hard. Like you're, you're probably working harder than they are right. You're, you're struggling and, and, and your body's like, we really want to do it but we don't have the machinery. We really want to do it, but we don't, we don't have the, we don't have the, and, and so you finish that workout. If you stay with it, this is the hard part. If you, if you stay with it, eventually your body will respond by increasing your mitochondrial density. And then you can come to your workout and you got some gas in the tank. You're like, Oh, okay, I can do this thing. But, but that's that, that phase, man, that's, that's three to six months long. And if you're doing something that's way out of your purview and is extremely uncomfortable and you had to take time away from your family to do it and it hurts every time and you don't even like it and some of the people there drive you crazy, you're not going to keep it up. There's just no way. There's just no way you're going to stick with that terrible phase. So so it's yeah. so important to get started small. 50% better daily does not work. No, it works for like three days <laughs> and then it doesn't stick. Yeah. You got to do 1% better daily. And a question from Patrick is, are there any fitness trackers that you recommend? There's so many good ones out there. I'm I like right now I'm wearing, my wife got this for me for Christmas. Shout out my wife. She's cool. Um, I'm wearing the Fitbit Charge 5. I've only worked, used it for the last month. I really like it. It's, it's a fantastic tracker. Before that, I was using the Garmin Vivo. Garmin Vivo. And I loved that one too. The only problem with that one is that I'm really hard on my fitness trackers 
and you can't change out the band on it. It's all integrated. So it crapped out of me in a year and a half because I beat it up and I had to either buy a new one or jump ship and switch with something that I can change the bands on. So, so I, I really like the, the Garmin Vivo. It's a fantastic fitness tracker. If you don't have a two-year-old who likes to bite it when he's wrestling <laughs> you, then you might actually, might actually last you a while. And the, yeah. the Fitbit Charge 5, I've, I've enjoyed as well. Um, a lot of people use their Apple watches and stuff. Um, I'm too hard on my fitness trackers to wear a $700 watch band, honestly. <laughs> so, um, and, but, uh, but those would, would be the two I recommend. Awesome. For me as a runner, I just downloaded Strava and that has been great so far. Um, yes. Even the free version of Strava has really helped me just become aware of how much am I running? Mm-hmm. How much am I walking? That's really helpful for me to know. Right. And there are free apps that'll turn your phone into a pedometer too, if you don't mind carrying it around with you. So, yeah. um, and got, once upon a time, you just went to Walgreens and spent four bucks on one of those little blue see-through things that ran on a watch battery. And just, yeah. So, like if you're just counting your steps, man, that'll work. That'll do it. There are some awesome advanced tools out there and there's some very basic free tools like Strava that can help you get started. And I think that's my whole goal with this two-part podcast episode that people would begin to dream a little bit about this, about yourself as a bio-individual and coming to 2022 with a 1% better daily approach. And if you want to get really technical and if you want to ask those tough questions, then please join Alex's community, the Better Daily app, it's a fantastic place where he is showing up on a daily basis to help you answer those questions and check out his podcast, the Defining Dad Bod podcast. Can you talk about the upcoming mastermind? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have the Better Man Challenge coming up. This is a, a pilot mastermind in the Better Daily community. I'm, I'm really excited about it. The goal of the, the Better Man Challenge is to spend eight weeks after the hustle and bustle of the the first month of the year, we're going to start this in uh, the middle of February. But uh, the goal is to spend eight weeks drilling into just what Drew and I are talking about, getting started. We're going to spend uh, four weeks on the physical, and then we're going to spend four weeks on the the mental and spiritual. And the, the goal is by the end of those eight weeks to have created a solid and strong foundation that allows us to continue the year moving forward in our, our health and fitness journey. So um, it's going to be powerful. We're going we're gonna to start on the nutrition front. We're going to move on to the cardiovascular. Then we're going to move on to the weight training side of things. Uh, Drew, we haven't nailed down the exact date yet, but but you're going to join us as as we dive into sex. Yeah, um, <laughs> which which is in my mind as a man, the the combination where where the physical meets the the mental and spiritual. And then we'll be, we'll be going into uh, building stronger relationships, developing a stronger relationship with God. And we're actually going to write a different story for ourselves. There's going to be a narrative portion to, to help us really get our story straight up until this point and, and to write a different one for the next year and share that with our community. So I'm really excited about this. It's it's going to be powerful and good. Uh, I've poured my heart and soul into the, the curriculum and I have quite a few local guys and, and clients I'll be taking through it. So I'm, I'm excited to open it up to those who come. There's going to be 20 spots. So uh, when it's full, it's full. And, and that's the group we'll be going with. Awesome. You can find a link to the Better Man Challenge 
in the show notes. And Drew, as an honor to you and in, in your community, I actually made a, uh, a coupon code for that challenge that gives the oh, yeah. eight weeks for 50 bucks off for BOA, B-O-A, the man himself. So <laughs> so if you, you investigate that, you decide it's something you want to get into and you're listening to us here, please uh, drop that coupon code in. And, and thank you guys for, for being committed and, and moving forward in your journey to find healing in your sexuality. And I don't want to over overstate that because this is your, your domain, Drew, but I just, I just find such, if you, if you didn't hear my, my previous interview with Drew, my story, uh, a big part of that is that healing. And I'm just, golly, I just want to recognize and honor that courage in you. Cause it's not, it's not easy to pursue that. And it's not easy to even start that journey at all. So keep up the good work. Keep it up guys. 1% better daily. Even 1% better weekly adds up. 1% better monthly even over the long term can make a huge difference. So sign up for the Better Man Challenge if you want to take this eight-week journey with Alex. I will be a guest and you can use that discount code of BOA, B-O-A, for $50 off. So Alex, what is your favorite thing about being 1% better daily. It's never done and I've never made it. And so what I get to say about that is, is when the good Lord decides to take me home, then I get to be done. But until then, if I'm not dead, I'm not done. And I will continue to find a way to overcome my obstacles, to, to show up well, and to make the most of it, man. To whom much is given, much is expected. And that resonates very deeply with me. And it's very, very humbling. And I'm so excited and happy about being able to share that journey with other people and see what kind of positive things it can bring out of their life. Amen. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, guys. And always remember, you are God's beloved son. In you, he is well-pleased. Well-pleased.